Hello and welcome back to History for Kids. We'll be going over World War II today. But now that we've gone over the finer points, I wanted to tell you a couple of stories that are animals, action, and brave men. And they're really cool stories. I hope you like them. Hello, my first story will be Wojtek the Fighting Bear. It's 1943. Polish soldiers trained a full-grown bear to help them fight the Nazis. It is your true story, but no, the bear does not sing or dance or eat honey, but he does carry heavy artillery shells, take baths, smoke cigarettes, even though it's pretty bad. His story starts back when Germany and the Soviet Union both attacked Poland at the same time and were crushing their way through. One of the brave Polish defenders, a man named Waldslaw Andrews, was sent to defend against the Soviet attack, but when the Soviets invaded and cut through their lines, he was captured and became a POW. He was sent to one of Russia's worst prison camps, but then something weird happened. In August 14, 1941, Russian soldiers promised his Polish battalion their freedom if they helped defend Russia from the surprise German attack. He wasn't that excited to fight for the people who just shot at him, but he agreed. He was reunited with 25,000 other Polish prisoners who said yes, and immediately left Russia in secret and went to British-held Iran in the Middle East, an area of land between Asia, Europe, and Africa. It was a smart choice. He met the British and became Anders' army. They were shipped off to take part of the Allied invasion of Italy. While they were traveling through Iran, they found a young Iranian boy carrying a young, tired, starving bear. They brought the bear back, and they bought him, and they started to nurse him back to health. They named the bear Wojtek and became the unofficial mascot of the 22nd Company. The bear would sit around the fire, eating, drinking, sleeping with the men. He loved smoking and drinking beer, and he also loved to wrestle and play fight with the soldiers. He was the best wrestler, thanks to that he was six feet tall and 500 pounds. He improved the morale of the men who were fighting without a home to go back to. When the unit marched, Wojtek would march with them. And when the unit traveled through jeeps, he sat in the passenger part and scared the heck out of people watching nearby. He also loved to take hot showers, and you could find him splashily, happily splashing around in the bass. Once he came across a German spy in the bass and slapped the dude upside the head. How he knew he was a spy, we'll never know. But he was interrogated, and he gave valuable intelligence on the enemy position. When they're about to attack Italy, the British command didn't allow pets or animals to be in the camps, so the Polish corps made him an official member of the army, a private. The British didn't care but they liked it that they had a fighting bear on their side. The corps finest hour came at the Battle of Monte Cassino. The Germans were hard-wrenched into a 6th century, 1,700-foot-tall monastery high up in the Alps. The Allies had launched four of their previous attempts to capture the um, monastery, but good sniper fire and machine guns forced them to retreat and suffer heavy casualties. The Polish Corps was brought in to make the final push. During the fight, Wojtek brought ammunition boxes weighing over 100 pounds to artillery position on the front lines. And you have to think, it was pretty scary for the Germans to see a giant bear fighting for the enemy. Wojtek never dropped one shell and never showed fear until the final shell came right at him and bang. Gotcha! Sorry, I never shell final came. <laughs> the Polish captured the monastery thanks to the heavy shelling, and in two weeks' time, the Allies had captured the road to get to Rome. They continued to fight in the, Ger- the Germans, and after the war, many of the Polish army were sent to Scotland, since they could be arrested for deserting the Russian army, since Poland was now in the hands of Russia. 
Boytek lived out the rest of his days at the Edinburgh Zoo, where he died in 1963 at the age of 22. It is said that he always stood up when he heard Polish being spoken and was visited by soldiers who would throw cigarettes in for him or jump in and wrestle him for good time's sakes. And for the Polish soldiers and the Polish people, he would always be known as Wojtek the Fighting Bear. My second story till today will be about Jack Churchill, or known as Fighting Jack Churchill or Mad Jack. He was born on September 16, 1906, and he died on March 8, 1996. He was a British Army officer who fought in the Second World War, and sometimes in battle he brought his longbow, Scottish broadsword, and bagpipes. And he was known for his motto, any officer who goes into action without a sword is improperly dressed. Churchill was born in Colombo, British Sea Loin, to Alec Fleming Churchill. They moved to Hong Kong, and then they returned back to England in 1917. Churchill was educated at King's Williams College, the Isles of Man, and was graduated from the Royal Military College. Then he moved to Burma and served there with the Manchester Regiment, and he enjoyed riding on motorbikes and doing it really fast. Churchill left the Army in 1936 and worked as a newspaper editor in Kenya and as a male model. He used his archery and bagpipe talents to play a small role in a 1924 film, The Thief of Baghdad, and also appealed in a 1938 film, A Yank at Oxford, even though he was a British, not a Yank. He took second place in the 1938 military piping competition at Aldershot Tattoo, and in 1939, he represented Great Britain at the World Archery Championships. So when, um, at the start of World War II, when Germany invaded Poland, Churchill resumed his commission in the um, British Army. And he was assigned again to the Manchester Regiment and was sent to France with the BEF, Beef, British Expedition Force. In May 1940, Churchill and some of his men were ambushed a German patrol near the town of Richburg. Churchill gave the signal to attack by raising his claymore. A common story is that Churchill killed a German soldier in this action with his bow, cocked back an arrow, and got him. However, Churchill later said that his bows had been crushed by a lorry earlier in the campaign, so this theory is probably not true. And after the fighting at Dunkirk, where the Germans breezed through the Ardennes, he volunteered for the commandos, a special group of brigade of British soldiers. And after the war, his brother also worked wrote a book called Commando Crusade. But their youngest brother, also known as Buster, was killed by the Germans. In Norway, when Churchill was stationed there, he was commanding the second he was in second in command of the number three commando in Operation Archery, a raid on a German garrison in Norway. As the Rams fell on the first landing cap, he leapt forward from his position playing his bagpipe while charging at the enemy, before throwing a grenade and charging into battle. And for his actions at Dunkirk and Vagasi, he Churchill received the military cross. And when the Allied invasion of Sicily, Churchill led two commandos from their landing site at Cantina in Sicily, with the Scottish broadsword slung across his waist, a long bone with arrows around his neck, and the bagpipes under his arm. He also did landings at Salerno. Leading two commando, Churchill was ordered to capture a German observation port outside the town of Molina, controlling a pass leading down the Salerno beachhead. With help of a corporal, he infiltrated the town, captured the post, 
and took 42 prisoners, including a mortar squad. Churchill led the prisoners back down to the pass, and with the wounded being carried on carts pushed by German prisoners, he counted those an image from the Napoleonic Wars. He also received another cross for this action. Churchill later walked back to the town to receive his sword he lost, which he had lost in hand-to-hand combat with the German regiment. On his way there, he dis- encountered a disoriented American patrol, mistakenly walking toward enemy lines. And when the patrol refused to turn around, Churchill told him that he was going his own way and he won't come back there for a 23rd time. I have three more battles to tell you about fighting Mad Jack Churchill and Yugoslavia as part of the mission. He led the commandos into Yugoslavia where they supported part the partisan Joseph Brof's Tito's partisans, one of the main um, rebellion groups against the Nazis in Yugoslavia. In May, he was ordered to raid the German Hell Island at Brock. He ordered, or, organized a motley army of 1,500 partisans and 43 commandos and one troop from 40 commando for the raid. The landing was unopposed, but on seeing the gun emplacements from which they later encountered German fire, the the partisans decided to defer the attack till the following day. Churchill's bagpipe signaled the remaining commandos to battle, with their other armies of 1,600 troops just left them. After being being attacked by an RES Spitfire German plane, Churchill decided to withdraw for the night and reattacked the place in the following morning. The following morning, a flanking attack was launched by the 43 commandos with Churchill and the leading elements. The partisans remained back, and only Churchill and six others survived to reach the objective. A mortar shell then killed or wounded everyone but Churchill, who was still playing his bagpipes with, will you not come back again, on his pipes as the Germans advanced. But sadly, he was knocked unconscious by grenades and captured. Out of mistaken, he had a direct relationship to Winston Churchill and could be held for ransom. He was later flown to Berlin and interrogated and transferred to a concentration camp. In September 1944, Churchill and the Royal Air Force uh, officer Burton James crawled underwater through an abandoned drain and attempted to walk to the Baltic coast to escape their capture. But they are captured near the German city of Rostock, a few kilometers from safety. In late April 1945, about 140 other prominent concentration camp inmates were transferred to Tylo, guarded by the dreadful SS troops. A delegation of prisoners told senior German officers they feared that they would be executed. A German army unit commanded by Wittrich von Alvesbien moved in to protect the prisoners. Outnumbered, the SS guards moved out, leading them behind. They were released, and they walked 150 kilometers where they met an American unit and were free. Though the Germany had surrendered, Churchill focused in the British Army on the the last Axis power, Japan. As the Pacific War was still on, Churchill was sent to Burma, where some of the largest land battles against the Japanese were being fought. By the time Churchill reached India, Hiroshima and Nagasaki had always already been bombed, and Churchill was said to be unhappy by the sudden end of the war, saying if it wasn't for those darn Yankees, we could have kept going this war for another 10 years. So after the World War II ended, 
Churchill qualified as a parachutist and transferred to the Seaforth Highlanders. He was posted in Palestine as an executive officer. In the spring of 1948, at the end of the British mandate in the region, he became involved in another conflict. Along with 12 of his soldiers, he attempted to assist a medical convoy that came under attack by Arab forces. Churchill was one of the first men on the scene and banged on a bus, offering to evacuate members of the convoy. In, in contraction to the British military orders to keep it out of the fight, his offer was refused and believed that the Jewish people would come to their aid in an organized rescue. When no re relief arrived, Churchill and his 12 men provided cover against the Arab forces. Two of the convoy trucks caught fire, and 77 of the 79 people inside them were killed. This event was known as the Hadassah Medical Convoy Massacre. Of the experience, about 150 armed insurgents, armed with weapons, varying from blunderbusses to flintlocks, took cover behind a patch, and, he, and Churchill went out to face him. About 250 riflemen were on the edge of the property, shooting at the convoy, and he begged them to desist from this purpose. And after the massacre, he condoted the evacuation of 700 Jewish doctors, students, and patients from a hospital where the convoy had been headed. In honor, the street leading to the hospital was named Churchill Boulevard. In 1952, Churchill was also introduced in Metro Gordon Mayer, a film called Ivanhoe, shot in Britain. And also later, in later years, Churchill served as an instructor in land air warfare in Australia and he, would, he was one of the first men to ride the five-foot tidal ward and design his own surfing board. He retired from the Arty in 1959 with two wards in the Distinguished Service Order and is always known as Mad Jack. He died on March, March 8th, 1996 at 89 years old. In, in 2014, um, Norwegian Explorers Club published a book that named him one of the finest explorers and adventurers of our time. Churchill was known as an amazing person. He was brave. He had special attacks with long bows, swords, bagpipes, and was known for his bravery without the British Army. And no, he's not Winston Churchill. He's Jack Churchill. The Nuremberg Trials deals with a difficult subject of the persecution of the Jews and other um, people by Nazi Germany in World War II. Due to the sensitive nature of the topic, it is not suitable for younger children and is for the ages 12 and up. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to another episode of History for Kids. Today we'll be going over the Nuremberg Trials. The Nuremberg Trials were a series of military trials held after World War II by the Allied forces under international law and the laws of war. The trials were most notable for the persecution of the members of the political and military and judicial leadership of Nazi Germany, who planned and carried out the Holocaust and other war crimes. The trials were held in Nuremberg, Germany, and the decision marked a turning point between classical and contemporary international law. The first and the best known of the trials was that the major war criminals were held before the International Military Tribunal. It was described as one of the greatest trials in history by a British judge. It was held between November 20th, 1945 and October 1st, 1946, a long time. 
The tribunal was given the task of trying 24 the most important political and military leaders of the Third Reich. And um, Martin Bormann, Jofis Goebbels, Adolf Hitler, who were all going to be tried, committed suicide before the trial or before the war ended. Heinrich Himmler committed suicide one day after being arrested. And some of the other notable Nazi leaders were assassinated by Czechoslovakian partisans, French partisans, and um, one died in a plane crash. And one of the most notable members, Adolf Eichmann, fled to Argentina to avoid capture, but it was eventually found by Israel's intelligence service in a great victory by the Jewish people. He was hanged in a trial in Jerusalem. A lot of the Nazi leaders fled to Argentina, where um, Argentina was an ally of Germany, and they escaped persecution. Permanently, the treating in the first trial conducted by the International Military Tribunal was also there was further trials of lesser war criminals. The categories of the crimes were the war crimes, crimes against humanity, wars of aggression, and for the first, it led to the creation of the International Criminal Court and the first time international law. The Nuremberg indictments also mentioned genocide, extermination of racial and national groups against the civilian populations of territories and nationalities. This is a terrible crime. It is a terrible thing that the Nazis did, and they were held accountable for it. So always remember, you are held accountable for your things you do. Three and a half years before, well, during the war, the stated, the Allies stated that they would punish the Germans and gave full warning that when the Nazis were defeated, the Allies would pursue them to the ends of the earth so that order justice could be done. The above declaration is without prejudice into the major war criminals. Weirdly and kind of badly, U.S. President Franklin D. Roosevelt and Joseph Stalin, Joseph Stalin proposed executing 100,000 German officers, and U.S. President Franklin D. Roosevelt joked that 49,000 would do. Churchill, believing them to be serious, denounced the idea to execute soldiers who fought for their country, and he'd rather die than to do in such action. But he stated the war criminals and leaders must pay for their crimes against humanity. So the, the courts were created by nine countries occupied by in occupied Germany. They met in London to draft the inter-allied resolution of the German war crimes. The three major wartime powers, United Kingdom, United States, and Soviet Union, agreed for the punishment for the responsible for the war crimes during the war. And France was also awarded a place on the tribunal. Some 200 German war crimes defendants were tried at Nuremberg, and 1,600 others were tried at other, other military jaws. The location was um, decided. The Soviet Union wanted to do the trial in Berlin, the capital city of the fascist conspirators, but Nuremberg was chosen as a site for two reasons. One, the Palace of Justice there was spacious and largely undamaged, and it was considered a ceremonial birthplace of the Nazi party, so they wanted to make it fitty for their party's symbolic demands. There was participants of Soviet people, judges, American, French, and British. So if they if they found guilty, some of them would die. The main 24 accused German people were Martin Bormann, Karl Deunst, Hans Frank, William Frick, and many others. 
some of the other key ones. Franz von Pepin, Eric Reeder, Dr. Clemmie Drone. He was in prison to be outraged. And one of the other things the British did where they took an IQ test on their men to see if they were really them, because they knew they were very smart to be in such leaders of powers, and they were all had above average intelligence. So the overview of the trial, they it lasted a long time, and eventually the um, accusers were, 12 of them were sentenced to death, and two of them didn't get hanged, they were committed suicide before the trials, and the other 10 were hanged. And there was another trial for the doctors who committed the terrible crimes against the Jews for experiments. This shows you the terrible crimes of the Nazi government and how you can never escape law and justice and that you will pay for what you do. So remember that whenever you steal some candy from your mom. Next, I'll do an episode on the Japanese war crimes.